runner doesn't sign up for a race and say, I'm going to take a DNF. Right. You know, so like when you make a commitment, it is so hard to give up on the commitment. But then when you have to dismantle your lie, you do it piece by piece or step by step. And all the things that I cultivated in running and then in all the other areas of my life that supported just a holistic way of being brought me to where I am today. You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today's episode is the recording from our Facebook Live interview series on Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. We sat down with Patty Murphy to hear all about her ultra running experiences and to get the inside scoop on her podcast, Leadership Under Fire. So sit back and relax or grab some pickles and hit the trails and enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Pickles, the only snack a trail runner really needs. Pickles, pickles, I like pickles. I like them better than an old fudge sickle. Pickles, pickles, I like pickles. Won't you give me a pickle? Listen to this real-life account of how pickles saved Ryan Thorpe's Ultra Marathon. Quote, one day when I was out running a casual 120-mile training run in the Catskills, I started to bonk. Well, I knew exactly what I needed to do. I dug deep into my pack to find my Ziploc baggie of pickles. Bite by bite, those pickles brought me back to life. Thank you, pickles, for saving me time after time. End quote. With an endorsement like that, you can see why we enthusiastically stand behind pickles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Run Venture Facebook Live series for our fourth episode of 2021. My name is Kim Levinsky. I'm the owner and race director for Sasquatch Trail Runners in New Jersey. And tonight we are joined by ultra trail runner Patty Murphy, who will be sharing uh, with us a little bit about what she does for a living and her amazing podcast called Leadership Under Fire. So I'm going to give her a squatchy introduction in a couple minutes after I share some updates on what is happening in the wonderful world of Sasquatch trail running. So our next event coming up, it's coming in hot. It's on Sunday, March 14th. It's called the Substitute Single Squatch. This race is at the Ramapo Valley County Reservation, and that is in Mawa, New Jersey. So you can sign up to squatch five and a half miles or 11 miles on this scenic trail loop. There's a bit of climbing involved. This is a hilly loop, so there's about 900 feet of elevation gain in the five and a half miles. Most of the climbing is on the front end, and it's a very, very fun course, and you're rewarded with some great views along the way. So after that, we are headed over to the South Mountain Reservation in West Orange, New Jersey for a brand new event in our race series called the Squatch Apple Trail Race. So this race is on Saturday, April 10th, and it will be an 11 miler, 20 miler, 33 miler, and 50 miler. So for this race, we have three different trail loops that are set up and they range from four miles to seven miles. So there's over 16 miles of unique trails that you'll be on for this race. Registration is filling up quickly. So hop on to ultrasignup.com for that. For the Squatch Apple, we are proudly supporting our partners, South Mountain Conservancy. They're the nonprofit group that maintains the trails at the reservation. 
And to back up a second for the substitute single squatch, we are supporting um, our other nonprofit partner, New York, New Jersey Trail Conference with that event. As always, for all of our races, we partner with a local organization that's um, specific to the location where we're hosting the event and we give back with some of the race proceeds. So right now for these events, we're still planning on doing wave starts of 25 runners and hikers at this time. Though I will say today, as of today, New York State just increased their outdoor gathering limits. So the trend has been in the last year, New York makes an announcement and then shortly after New Jersey follows suit. So we are crossing both fingers that that is going to happen and those numbers will go up. So any changes in the wave starts, we're gonna communicate that via email and then also updating the registration pages for that. We also want you to mark your calendars for the weekend of March 19th. It is our first virtual plogging and trail cleanup weekend for 2021. So what this is, it's called virtual because we want you to get out on your favorite local trail to pick up trash and make a big impact. We, done, we did a few of these when the pandemic started this past year and we had a lot of great participation involved and we saw so much trash being picked up on the trail. So we're gonna continue this through the new year. You can get more information about that on our Facebook page. We are doing these live interviews just about every other week. So be sure to check back in to catch all of the broadcasts. So give you a heads up, we have some more amazing guests coming up after Patty. On March 17th, we are interviewing Samantha Desrosier, an active duty ar army soldier who is also a trail runner. On March 31st, we are sitting down with ultra running legend, Trishel Churns. And then on April 14th is our interview with Joshua Howard, who is the executive director of the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference. April 21st is our interview with Ian Golden. He's the founder of the Trails Collective and the race director for Red Newt Racing, which puts on events primarily in New York State. And then on April 28th, we are sitting down with ultra runner Virginia Morin, who recently moved out to Colorado from New Jersey. She was involved in our group and she will be sharing with us all about her brand new van life. She's currently traveling around the country in her brand new van. So I'm super excited to hear about that. Uh, to learn more about the rest of our events for 2021, you can check them out on our website, which is sasquadtrailrunning.com. Okay, so that about wraps it up for the Sasquad updates right now. So the reason you all are here is Patty Murphy. Patty Murphy was one of the first people I met when I first um, started getting plugged into the New Jersey trail running community a few years ago when I moved back here. So I met Patty through the Union County She Runs This Town group, which is a fantastic group if you're a local woman in the Union County area. That group is road and trail. So you can get plugged in. There's uh, folks going out every day of the week on runs. So you can check that out. They have a very active Facebook group. So anyway, my first interaction with Patty was watching the video recap that she produced for our friend, Jana Schernetz. Jana ran a hundred miler at the Vermont 100. Patty was a part of her crew. And that's how I got connected to all those amazing women um, with Union County. So Patty has become a great trail friend and I've especially enjoyed keeping in touch with her this past year because we launched our Sasquatch Trail Runners podcast and she has 
a very long history of broadcasting and in the last few years, podcasting with her awesome podcast, Leadership Under Fire. So right now I'm going to read the bio that is on the Leadership Under Fire website because it does such a great job of just recapping uh, her background. So I'm going to read that for you. Patty Murphy is the host and producer of the Leadership Under Fire Optimizing Human Performance podcast. A native of Staten Island, New York, Patty started her career covering news across the five boroughs for a 24-hour television news channel. In 2014, she joined the fire department of New York's Office of Public Information, managing their internal website, Diamond Plate, which plays a critical role in disseminating timely, and tr timely training and preparedness information. She also produces content for the FDNY Foundation and the New York City Fire Museum. Patty is the first FDNY civilian employee to attend the Naval Postgraduate School Center for Homeland Defense and Security. You can learn more about Leadership Under Fire at the website, leadershipunderfire.com. Okay, Whew. I need a water break after that. <laughs> I have said this before, you own your brand. You are so magnificent. I give you so much credit for that introduction. Stop That's it, stop it. <laughs> I appreciate you, Patty. I am so excited that you are on the podcast. We talked, you know, I guess it's probably maybe a month or two ago and I invited you and I was so happy that you said yes and we found a date to do it. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I'm honored. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a little bit nervous because I'm so used to asking the questions instead of answering them, but right. this is space, right? Like I know you yes. well, so many mutual friends and this is obviously a topic I'm so passionate about. So, and it's also a little bit like a throwback back to my news days being, you know, involved in live. Yes. So. Yes, no pressure. We are live. <laughs> I might need to phone a friend. I'm just saying. Yes, that is totally okay. You can phone a friend. You can call the unicorn hotline if you need to connect to a unicorn. They are standing by. <laughs> might tip you up on that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Patty, let's start. Let's just get a little bit more of your personal background. I know we just got the professional background on. Um, it's pretty much your job resume. So it would be awesome. Tell us what we need to know about Patty Murphy. I'll tell you what you need to know about Patty Murphy, the runner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which eventually becomes part of my identity. So it's important to me. Um, I started running when I was 19 years old and I started for vanity. I had a friend who was getting married in a destination wedding and I wanted to add running to my workout routine. Um, I didn't know anything about the sport. I didn't understand the concept of distance and time. I just threw on a pair of diesel sneakers, which are not performing. <laughs> my old high school gym shorts, a baggy t-shirt. I didn't have a watch, I didn't have headphones. And I went out and I ran until I felt like I was either going to throw up, pass out, or die. Perfect. <laughs> it was probably only a quarter of a mile. But guess what, Kim? What happened? I loved it. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, the world looked different after that. 
Um, mm. And it just became something that I continued to do every summer for several years. Just when the weather got warm, I started running some more. Um, and each time, you know, trying to push myself a little bit farther. I have to admit that at this time, I mentioned I was 19, so I was in college. And I'm originally from Staten Island. Um, I went to Baruch College in Manhattan. And I also cocktail waitressed while I was in college. And eventually my senior year, I got an internship with the television news station that you mentioned, New York One News. So all this to say, I was commuting a lot. I was on public transportation a lot. And I always had a book with me. And for whatever reason, stories about endurance and the human spirit always intrigued me. And I ended up reading a lot about mountaineering. It was so, such irony or such, you know, so different than the environment that I was in. And I just loved reading about like these high altitude vistas and authors like John Krakauer being able to articulate like the human spirit just ignited something inside of me. But my life was not on that path. It was just not on that trajectory that any sort of adventure like that was gonna be for me. <laughs> and then- Little I, did you know. <laughs> and little do we know like down the line, of course I had those moments and those experiences, but that's where it started. It just started with, you know, my small experience in pushing my boundaries. Right. So how did you end up getting more involved with running? It sounds like you were dipping your toes on the shoreline, so to speak. What, um, what, what pushed you to do more with running? Great question. So after I graduated college, I was fortunate. My internship at New York One allowed me to work in the living unit and I got to cover a bunch of feature news. So mainly theater, which I have a performing arts background. So that was a dream come true. I went to so many red carpets and so many opening nights, met all the celebrities I idealized. Um, I also covered, you know, Tribeca Film Festival and Fashion Week and the Halloween Parade. But once I graduated, the position that was available to me at the time was a full-time position working on Staten Island and covering hard news and general assignment news, basically. And being from Staten Island and connected to the community, it worked for me. It worked very well, I should say, because I knew the places, I knew the people, and I gave so much of myself to the stories and the news that we were covering. But that came at a little bit of a cost. You know, it was stressful, it was chaotic, and I needed an outlet once a day for me. And I ended up running almost every single day in Clove Lakes Park on Staten Island. Um, it was my moment to just have to myself, not check my phone. And, you know, that's where I sort of practiced how far I can go, discipline, stoicism. And, you know, I, I would go out sometimes and run, you know, seven, eight, nine miles without really trying very hard. Mm. So between reading about all these endurance athletes and pushing myself, even though I was under a lot of pressure, I 
realized like the sound of running a marathon wasn't that daunting to me. <laughs> so all this to say in 2013, that's when I first started racing. And my first race was the Brooklyn half marathon followed by the uh, Staten Island half marathon. And then eventually I ran the Philly marathon and my first marathon didn't go very well. It didn't go well, but you stuck with it. So you must've been really hooked at that point. Yes, I have to mention that at that point, you know, it was 2013. So Hurricane Sandy hit Staten Island or hit New York in 2012 and Staten Island was devastated by the storm. Mm. And I, I think that in 2013, after seeing that sort of devastation and realizing how like fleeting moments are, you know, you have to go for what you think is important or what is important to you. And I, I was, still kind of living that life in my head and not necessarily in my everyday life. Mm -hmm. So when I was training, I was training mostly alone. Again, it was good for me to be alone in those moments because I was so stressed out and, you know, I just needed my own time. But I have a funny story. Um, Bill Rogers is a marathon legend in the like late 70s, early 80s. He ran and won the Boston Marathon and the New York City Marathon four times in a row. Very, uh, very impressive individual. He came to Staten Island like two weeks before my first marathon. And his whole thing is running as an individual sport, but it, it requires a community. And so at the end of interviewing him and doing this story, I was speaking to him and explaining, oh, my first marathon is coming up. And as he was signing my book, he said, so who are you running with? And I said, I'm running by myself. And he just looked at me and he's a little bit like high energy. When a crazy person looks at you like you're crazy. <laughs> That's when you know. <laughs> uh, I actually have a picture of the moment too. Um, and so it planted a seed that, you know, you need people sometimes to, to get across the finish line. It's okay to ask for help. So when I actually started hitting the wall in that marathon, which by the way, the longest training run I did for that one was 14 miles. Perfect. <laughs> I started hitting the wall and I started texting friends and talking to other people. And, you know, just in, in drawing from them and the crowd, I just hobbled over the finish line. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, I'm so anxious to see how we're going to get from, you know, point A to point B, because I know how involved you are. Like you have such a rock solid tribe and it sounds like you were a lone wolf when you first started running. So what started changing? What were there? I mean, did you meet people? Did something happen? How did you start getting plugged into the running community? Fortunately for me, just before I ran the Philly Marathon, I moved to Mountainside, New Jersey. And I was going for a walk in the Wachung Reservation and uh -huh. a woman ran by wearing a New York City Marathon shirt. And I thought, she's a real runner. I can talk to her about 
at least where can I run? Like I didn't know anything about the, the area. So I wasn't sure where I was going to train. So I stopped her and I asked and she said, oh, you should join my Facebook group and, you know, come out on runs with us. Her name was Mary and she was introducing me to the She Runs This Town group, which right. at the time was Union County Moms Run This Town. And I don't have children. So I admitted that to her and she was like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, you will adopt you. You can, you know, join our club. So I, I remember the night before the marathon, she sent me a text and said, good luck tomorrow. And I was like, she gets it. She knows, mm -hmm. like I have raced day jitters. Like, this is great. Right. Um, and so anyway, she was supportive. And after the race, she invited me out to a trail run in Wachung. And it was me, Mary, and a woman named Danielle. And for a while there, that was it on the weekends. We were these weirdos going out <laughs> <laughs> trail running. But she, she really pushed me. I ran um, the Feb Apple race in South Mountain that year. Well, I guess it was 2014 after that. And I started really enjoying the social aspect of running. And I started learning more about the sport and I started really appreciating, you know, mom strength is real, by the way. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> so they really were testing my limits and I couldn't have been more, you know, fulfilled by that tribe, that club, um, which eventually turned into more. And obviously, you know, we, we ran more races, but I also want to make mention that in the spring of 2014, two things happened. I joined, I left New York one and I joined the FDNY and you read a little bit about my background in the uh, intro, but I primarily manage their internal training and information website, Diamond Plate, which is actually funded by the Department of Homeland Security as a post 9-11 initiative aimed at keeping members operationally ready. Mm. So part of the reason why I left the news was because after Hurricane Sandy, I had a very hard time going back to the regular news grind, the daily news grind, because right. when the storm hit, the work that I was doing had a direct effect on recovery efforts. So at that time, you know, when we went back to the regular news cycle, I struggled a little bit and I decided to leave without even having a job lined up. Fortunately, I happened to communicate to one of my former colleagues who then was working at the fire department. I just left New York One and he said, I have a project you would be great for. You have to come and work here. And he explained Diamond Plate to me and it really did check off all the boxes that I was looking for. It centered on health and wellness and making sure people are prepared and proficient. And, you know, in a nutshell, what I've been doing is helping give valuable information to people who need it to help others. You know, mm -hmm. our tr the, the content on Diamond Plate is there to support the uniform members that go out and do the important work of like protecting lives and property. So. Uh, it was extremely rewarding and I'm, I'm a testament of when one door closes, another one opens. So I'm proud of that. And also at this time, a friend of mine, Kim, who uh, I met at New York One, posted on Facebook. Facebook, I guess, is like 
the thing that brought us all together. Look at that. It is. <laughs> Pam posted something on Facebook about wanting to run a Ragnar relay in the Adirondacks in the fall of 2014. And she wanted to do it with an ultra team. And I think at the time she only had one other person who was willing to do it. And I didn't know the other person. So eventually I said yes, that I would be interested in running that race. And uh, the Ragnar teammates, as you know, are now like my family, not just friends or teammates. Yes. So yeah, I would, I would love to hear about that, rag, that first Ragnar experience. <laughs> it was a, a pivotal point for me. So I was fortunate that when I was, you know, living in New Jersey, I had the, the moms, <laughs> I'm just going to call them, yes. to help me train and to push me. And it brought me towards this goal at the end of 2014, where I was running the Ragnar with my teammates. I met all of them, not all of them, I knew Kim, but I met the other teammates in person the morning of the race. Wow. <laughs> Pretty much. And uh, yeah, we did very well at that race. We placed second in our group, the co-ed ultra. For those who don't know, a Ragnar relay is a 200 mile relay that you normally do with a team of 12 people. We decided to do it with six. And we obviously, the first one was in the Adirondacks. So crazy elevation. I actually ran the Ragnar leg, which is, supposedly, you know, the hardest leg of the course. I don't know how I ended up with it. I don't remember anymore, but it was really just like scaling, you know, this relentless hill. Uh, but I prepared for it, you know, I trained for it. I put into practice all the things that I was sort of reading about or researching, you know, I trained, I read books, I watched films, I had the right nutrition, I had the right people around me. I had a good mindset and the Ragnar leg wasn't the hardest thing for me. I think the most jarring thing for me was the night running. Mm. So had I, you done any night ride running prior to that, or was this kind of your first jump into the night running world? I only did it once before. And this time I was doing it at like two o'clock in the morning. And I think oh people- <laughs> People listening to this are, you know, familiar with, I guess, being out there at night when it's that dark and that late in the country. And <laughs> right. It's really jarring. Like it's so heavy and thick, but at the same time, <laughs> at the moment you lift your head up and your headlamp kind of illuminates everything around you, it's so expansive and all that to say, it's very humbling, right? Mm. So I was out there for seven miles by myself and all I wanted to do was stop. All I wanted to do was stop, crawl in the fetal position, call the van, <laughs> come pick me up. And I realized if I do that, it just prolongs the inevitable. I just need mm. to keep going for my team, right? And that was a big component too, because right. if I was running by myself for myself, I don't know if I would necessarily have been so committed to getting to where I needed to be, but right. I had that. And I just kind of changed my mind a little bit. I looked up at the stars, they were beautiful. Like I could see the silhouette of farmhouses in the distance and 
I just changed my attitude and it ended up being a, a, like I said, a pivotal experience for me. And ultimately for our entire team, we, we saw the best and the worst in each other in a short <laughs> time period. And uh, one of my teammates, Matt, I'll never forget the, when you're doing an ultra and especially a Ragnar, like the overnight is the worst. Right. So first, it never ends. It's so hard. Why are we doing this? Whose idea was this? And Matt looked up at me at one point and was like, I'm having a lot of fun, but I never want to do this ever again. <laughs> 10 hours later, once we're done with the finish line and we've had something to eat, he looks at me and he's like, I would do that again. Absolutely. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Would never do it again. <laughs> And we've done it every year since we met. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, I do want to share a quick story real quick about the night running and Union County. I could, well, my question to you first is, did you do any of the night runs on Thursday evenings with the, the moms group? Yeah, because then it ended with Thirsty Thursday. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll share a quick story here. Uh, before I do that, I want to read... Um, some of the comments, because a lot of people are, are, are telling you hello. So we got uh, Joe Brandine is saying, hey, Helen Fries. Hi, Patty Murphy. Jay is in the house. He says, Helen. Um, Joe uh, Brandine also said, Patty and Jana were the first Sas Sasquatters I ever met. <laughs> Dawn uh, says, I miss running with you, pretty Patty. So happy to see you on Zoom. And then Jana and both Matt, Klein just said Patty with a bunch of exclamation points and Elaine Yee also said um, hi Patty and Heather Benz says hello hope the Vermont marathon story comes up somehow and Patricia McLean says nachos at stage house which I want to drop a quick story here so my I also we had a similar story with Union County so I got plugged in with them as well I was at Wachung saw a group of minivans and SUVs pulling into trailside parking lot and all these women were getting out and one of them came over it was either Jana or Rebecca and said are you here for the newbie trail run and I said I don't know what that is and who you are <laughs> and I got the same line we're Union County moms run this town come join our group and I literally said the same thing you did I said I'm not a mom I can't join your group. And I got the same response. It doesn't matter. You're coming with us. Let's go. And the rest is history. Mm -hmm. um, but the night trail running, that was my first experience night running was with the Union County Moms Run This Town on Thirsty Thursdays, <laughs> where they would go out at nine o'clock at night on a Thursday, run the trails, and then go to stage. I always call it stage house, but stage coach, I think is the name. Mm -hmm. for um you know drinks and appetizers and stuff and I'm like looking at my watch you know it's a Thursday it's a work night I'm like I can't keep up with you moms like I stayed for like a half an hour and then I left but these moms like you said it mom strength all the way with these women and that is something and hello everyone I miss all the people who just said hello I miss you all <laughs> Uh, and I have every time I heard a name, I'm thinking of stories related. Yes. To <laughs> the, what was I going to say about the moms? Um, they taught me a lot about the person who I wanted to become. 
I loved being around those women because they were solution oriented. They prioritized health and wellness for themselves and then therefore their families. They have a wicked sense of humor. Yes. Um, You know, I just was so impressed with each and every one of them, their individual stories, how they supported each other. And that was what was so, I don't want to say so unique, but unique about the group is that we were tied together through running and then we would spend social hours together. And then I watched how that spilled over into their, their lives, even raising their children, you know, who would babysit when somebody else needed to go take a run. Mm -hmm. I just loved that entire support system. Um, I'm sad that I don't get to see them as regularly as I used to, but they were very important to me and uh, to anything that I continue to do because I think back to them and what I learned from them. Definitely. And I always say to people, you know, I'll get feedback after races of, you know, your event was so well run. It was very organized. And I always say it is a team effort. Mm -hmm. And the people who are helping me are primarily moms from that group. And I always say, things get done because the moms are here and like we have that just great type a organization um and it is i'm just echoing all that you said um so all right let's go ahead sorry go ahead one quick thing to mention about that time to what it meant for me is that when i started trail running with these women and sometimes men sometimes the you know the one-off you know here and there would make an appearance There's something about being on trails that equals like a closeness and a bond that you you don't get the same thing on road in my opinion or my experience. Like because you're in the wilderness and there's no sign of human life, the irony is you feel like there's privacy. So like you start talking about things that you might not otherwise if other people are around. And that was a critical piece to the equation to the closeness, I think, that we all share. Totally. Yeah, I feel like on the road, you're kind of just defending yourself (laughs) against aggressive drivers. (laughs) So, okay, so let's keep moving along the timeline. You've been, now you've transitioned to this new job. You're getting more involved in trail running. Were you starting to see some parallels of the two and like, I guess, you know, both like as your professional life was expanding and growing, but also on the trail running side, you know, that's starting to look different. So let's keep moving along the timeline. So now we're up to like 2014 or so. Yeah. And going into 2015, two things. One is um, 2015 is the first time I ran an ultra. So I ran the 50k blues cruise with Jana at the end of 2015 or the fall of 2015 and um, the only way I got there was because she posted on Facebook (laughs) (laughs) I have 22 miles to run this weekend or Saturday she had 22 miles to run on a Saturday and she wanted to see if you know, somebody would meet her for one loop and then somebody else would meet her for another. So I went out for the first loop and then nobody showed up for the second loop and I felt bad leaving her. (laughs) (laughs) 
And she said, you know, I have 10 miles to run tomorrow. Why don't you come out and do that with me? And I was like, okay, I don't have anything else to do. And here's again, like a little voice in the back of my head was like, this woman is like a little bit older than me. She's a mom. Like if she comes this tomorrow, I'm going to do it. Right. I did. And then at the end of that run, she looked at me and she's like, so you just did the training. You <laughs> That's so typical Jana. I can just hear her saying that. It was so sneaky. Um, so I, I pushed myself beyond any sort of, you know, thing I could have ever imagined. And I ran a 50K, like, especially considering that my first road marathon was kind of a disaster. The fact that I ran this 50K was, and, and recovered well after it, I have to add, mm-hmm. you know, that we had trained well, we prepared, we were so plugged into podcasts and books and documentaries. And I think we exhausted every r- like running related documentary and we had to move on <laughs> to like more mountaineering and other sports just to kind of keep ourselves motivated. But it was a huge piece to our equation and our training. Um, so in 2016, I was tasked at the fire department with producing a documentary on a mental performance initiative that was coming out of the Bureau of Training. Mm-hmm. I was not part of the uh, you know early days of bringing MPI to the department, right. but I was included a few weeks before the first conference rolled out. And all I was told is we want a 30 minute documentary so that members of the department know what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I don't know about you, but when somebody said mental performance initiative, my ears perked up. Right. (laughs) Is your wheelhouse right now? Well, Kim, I was like, how is this happening? You know, this. Right. So I had a lot of questions. I had more questions than answers. I didn't know what they meant by it. And I knew what I had experienced and what I believed it could be and what the potential was. So... I was introduced to a member of the department, Jason Bresler, who was spearheading the Mental Performance Initiative. And I didn't know him well. He didn't know me well. Um, In hindsight, we laugh about it because the first few interactions we had were a bit tenuous. I think we were both trying to be in control of what we was important to us, right? So I'm thinking to myself, I can bring a lot to the table. I know what I can do. And this is it. And he was probably thinking, you know, who is this young female civilian who I don't know, right. you know at all. So I had to sort of explain myself to him and say, look, I, I have a background in journalism. I spent, you know, five years as a, a reporter. Um, I have a background in sport, believe it or not. I, my first job ever, I was working for a minor league baseball team. So pro sport was incorporated into MPI. So, and specifically baseball. So I was, you know, familiar with that. And I said, I'm also training for a 50 mile race in my personal life. And he said, 50 miles. I said, yeah. And he's like, well, a bunch of guys from Rescue 2 are going to go climb Denali next summer because that's the next level of human performance. Okay. <laughs> so you read all of John Krakauer's work and you took it as a calling and not a cautionary tale. And he mm. said, yeah, I read his books. 
And I thought he gets a few points. He's read a few books. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Speaking of reading books, like I did all the required reading for MPI and I'm trying to get everything prepared. I, I need a few more things. And he then said, like, you did all the reading for MPI. So actually the, the thing that made us both kind of, you know, less upset with one another, I think, was the fact that we were both like nerdy readers. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, so I, I went to MPI and before I went, of course, I was sharing everything that I knew about it with the moms and my mm -hmm. Ragnar teammates because the, the worlds are starting to collide, right? These are right. all the experiences that we've had, the training that we put into practice, the things that we value. And um, when I got back from the course, they were there every weekend listening to me talk about ideas and concepts and themes and how to implement things. Um, and eventually, yeah, I did put together that 30 minute documentary and uh, it was published internally November of 2016 after hours and hours and hours of recording and interviewing and research and sifting through footage. Um, it was really a labor intensive project. And like this, I, I haven't told many people this story but I have to mention it here. Um, after we released it internally, Mama Beck, our mutual friend. Mama Beck, she's watching. <laughs> she was celebrating her, I think it was her one year streak anniversary, mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't mean that she was going streaking in the streets. It just means that she right. ran every single day for a year. So I think she was celebrating her one year streak anniversary, and she's like, we have to have a streaking and screening party, you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> a celebration for my streak and we'll, we'll do a screening for the documentary. And so we went out for a run, like a three mile run around the neighborhood. And when we got back to her house, her husband, Mark had rolled out a red carpet and had little uh. <laughs> on the deck. And I told you earlier, like I covered a lot of really uh, amazing cultural events in New York and I have been on countless red carpets and that by far was my favorite one. And we sat around that evening, watched the documentary, had a little like Q&A after, and um, the ladies gave me a mantra band, which I have today. And it says, live what you love. Mm, I so. love that. I love that. That's also a classic Mark Constant. He's such a great guy. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Mark if you're watching. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, so now we're in 2016. You've done your first ultra. You've got some, we'll call it, I guess, street cred now at your job, right? I'm, I mean, I'm sure that the video went over well and a lot of positive feedback. So what comes next after this, Patty? Well, so during the time that I was producing the film and being introduced to MPI and assuming more responsibility at the department. That's when I also ran um, my first 50K, 40 miler, and then my 50 miler. And mm -hmm. I found, you mentioned street cred, like I found that by sharing those stories with members of the department, like their ears perked up and they were like, oh, you know, she, she gets it or she has it. And I'm using air quotes. Right. Um, 
And so I, I also want to include my Ragnar teammates again at this point in the timeline, because eventually Jay kind of like goes beyond anything I've ever done. So Jay is on my Ragnar team. It's one of our mutual friends. And I think it was that winter at the Wachung Reservation, he came to run a half marathon. And I said, just do the 50K. I, I realized, <laughs> it up. like, you can do it. Just five loops. We'll just run together all day. And we did. <laughs> we decided to do a 50K on a whim. And I think that that opened up something for him, a new experience that obviously he goes on later on in the timeline to run a hundred mile race. So uh, I planted the seed. I just wanted That's to. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, 2016, I, my baseline was like a 50K, you mm. know, and I, I, again, going back to like where I started from, it's hard to believe that. Um, I started to get more and more involved with things in the department. And I um, eventually was introduced to Leadership Under Fire, which is uh, organization that Jason Bresler founded. So one thing I want to make mention about like mental performance and MPI at the department, like the aim of MPI is to optimize human performance from multiple vantage points, but with an emphasis on the mental component. Uh, so just to make that clear for anybody who doesn't right. know what MPI is, but Jason uh, has a background. He, he began his career as a Marine and He's decorated for his combat service, leading Marines in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, in 2012, he formed Leadership Under Fire, and our team aims to prepare leaders and organizations to navigate the physical, mental, emotional, and moral rigors in highly competitive settings mm -hmm. um, by developing strength of mind, body, character, and critical thought. So he, based on the work that I was doing at the department and with MPI, he and the LUF team decided to bring me on. And um, eventually I became the host of the Leadership Under Fire Optimizing Human Performance podcast. Yes. I want to talk so much about this podcast with you. <laughs> I have personally loved the podcast. I have so many, if you're if you're listening to this and you want some recommendations on episodes, reach out and I can give you some of my favorites. Um, Patty does such a great job, her and her team, um, just highlighting amazing, amazing individuals that talk about leadership and various other topics, but primarily leadership. So can we talk a little bit about leadership under fire? And, you know, I have so many questions. Um, so maybe just real quick, like, who are the type of people that you're inviting on? And then I can ask a few more specific questions. Well, they're leaders who represent a myriad of industries, but all mostly high risk, ultra competitive industries. Um, we have people from pro sport, from the military, law enforcement, the fire service, of course, and you know, men, women, young, old, but they're all uh, highly experienced. And I would also mention like quiet professionals. They're people that are students, lifelong learners. Uh, they always exercise humility whenever I speak to them. And 
uh, that's a, just another area of my life where I just am constantly learning, constantly absorbing and eternally grateful. Awesome. So have you had a favorite guest that you've, <laughs> I know it's hard to answer, but maybe, you know, could you choose if you had a favorite? I would say, and this is just to keep it safe. Right. My first interview I ever did for the podcast was with Dr. Jonathan Fader, who's a uh, mental skills coach for the, he's worked with the Giants and the Mets. He's somebody I worked with closely at the fire department. And quick story, um, I was supposed to be a co-host on the podcast, to be honest. There was supposed to be somebody else with me. And at the very last minute, he couldn't commit to it. And being that Fader and I had a relationship, I just figured I would take it on and it would be okay. And in the future, if I needed a co-host or a, you know, a guest host, that that would be what we would do. Um, so I, uh, it just goes to show Kim, like you can prepare all you want. Right. <laughs> and sometimes things just happen and you have to roll with it. So when I got there, Fader, you know, was, was very good with me and, um, he, like, if you're going to have, you know, your first podcast interview with anyone, let it be somebody of, you know, his experience and his caliber. And he's, you know, got all the tips and tricks for, you know, having resilience. So it was great. That's awesome. That sounds a little bit like our first interview was with uh, Maggie Guterrell. And there's a whole story behind it. It, it. We had some hiccups with technology that night. But anyway, it was the same, same idea, you know, might as well start out with a bang for the first uh, interview. So I've got to know, how has Leadership Under Fire impacted you and changed your life? Because I mean, it's such a transformative. I feel like every time I listen to an episode, usually it's out when I'm, I'm out on a run, I'll scroll through, you know, press play. And um, I just, at the end of it, there's so many little nuggets that I take away that, you know, it usually doesn't last the whole run. So then the rest of the run, I'm just thinking about the podcast. So I got to imagine it's made a profound impact on your life, getting to talk with so many of these amazing people. What has that experience been like for you? Humbling, first and foremost. Again, eternally grateful. I, I can't tell you how many notes I take during interviews. You know, I just am constantly picking something up that is and of course we're all projecting a little bit, right? Like I'm taking something that they've said and applying it to my own life. And that's what it's all about. You know, I'm just able to continuously learn. And while I'm doing that, I'm sure that's what is happening for the listener, you know? Definitely. Um, so what it's done for my life, it, it's more so the relationships that I've cultivated, like the Leadership Under Fire team truly is just that. And we all have authentic relationships with one another. And, you know, I might be a young female civilian, but the more I open up to people, the more they share. And then the more we realize we have in common, like one of the uh, team members said to me recently, what's the probability that we would all meet? You know, what's the probability? Math isn't there. And I was just like, it is because we are all starting to live in alignment. And when you live in alignment, you're going to attract those types of like-minded people and for so for me it's just been wildly fulfilling from going from 
compartmentalizing my life so much to now when I compartmentalize, it's only just, you know, the, the small things in order to mitigate some stress. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I'm like wholeheartedly, you know, appreciative of the team and the work that we do. That's awesome. And then, you know, on the podcast, there's so many, I think, reoccurring themes and kind of a common thread for most of the guests, you know, perseverance, mental toughness, endurance. What have, have been some of your favorite, as we call them, like topics and themes that you get to talk about with the guests? Like what do you, what, what really stands out to you? Oh, you had to pick one or two. I know it's hard to nail it down, but... How do I frame this? Because this is the honest answer. I like the conversations that are, and I'm going to use air quotes, like hard. Erin mm. Kafaro was on uh, the podcast recently. It's one of your favorites. I my know. favorite. It was my favorite. <laughs> She's an Olympic gold runner, uh, rower, I'm sorry. And she mentioned like going up to the podium at the Olympics and being depressed. And I was so appreciative of somebody opening up and admitting something like that. It wasn't even, I don't even know why I'm saying admitting, because if that's what you felt, that's what you felt. And there's, you know, a reason for that. And and you can learn from that and you need to share that. And I, I like those types of things that come up on the podcast that, you know, maybe seem counterintuitive and to humanize the narrative that. I, I don't know any other way to put those topics because I just think that they are based on people's personal experiences. And when I hear them, I'm just grateful for the conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I was so struck by that, that when she started talking about when she was on the podium and there was a, that immediate letdown of like you achieved it and now what? And I think a lot of times us as runners, I mean, not to the scale of uh, Olympic gold medalist, but we sometimes experience that too of, you know, it's hard to be in the moment. We talked about this the other day, right? Mm-hmm. But you're constantly chasing after that. And with running, I think there's, there's such a tension of while you're running, you're in the moment, but you're also reflecting on your life, right? So past, future, there's just such this like, push and pull and swing, I think. So it was really interesting to hear her talk about that. I also brought this up to you the other day because you brought up presence and I don't mind sharing it on this platform. It's a safe space. Um, One of the major things I've left out on my timeline in this discussion is the fact that I was married and I met my ex-husband when I was 18. We got married when I was 23. We bought our house in Mountainside, New Jersey when I was 25. You know, I did not think I was on the trajectory of being divorced at 30. And I don't like that word because it sounds very Mm. severing. And what that experience really was like was like a dismantling or dissolving of our relationship. And running helped me through that, of course, because, well, two things. Like a runner doesn't sign up for a race and say, I'm going to take a DNF. Right. You know, so like when you make a commitment, it is so hard to give up on the commitment. But then when you have to dismantle your life, you do it piece by piece or step by step. And all the things that I had cultivated in running 
And then in all the other areas of my life that supported just a holistic way of being brought me to where I am today. And it's an uncomfortable topic. It's an uncomfortable thing to say, but I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm now wondering like, what does comfort in comfort like look like? But what I do know is I'm more present now than I probably was 10 years ago because things are just as they should, not should, but as they are. And I accept them as they are. And I'm happy with that. Right. Right. And it sounds like, I mean, running is really, you know, we were talking about this the other day, how sometimes you don't even realize the impact that running's having on your life until you're going through situations that are hard like that. And then suddenly you're getting through it and you're like, well, I, I guess I am equipped to, you know, walk through this. Mm-hmm. Without uh, a doubt. Totally. And, you know, pain plays an interesting part in running and life. So here's the question for you. We talked about this the other day and I said, I'm going to ask and I'm going to start asking all of our guests because it's such a great question. What is your relationship with pain, Patty Murphy? Okay, we're going to give credit where it's due for. <laughs> yes, yes, please give credit. Give Jim credit. Clark is a firefighter at the FDNY. He's also a member of the Leadership Under Fire team, very brilliant man, who's also um, super competitive. Uh, he was a professional Ironman before he came onto the fire department, and he has his own podcast called the Personal Record Podcast, and he asks this question, and uh, he always says, you know, what's your relationship with pain? <laughs> putting you in the hot seat patty murphy well i think of an answer what's your <laughs> relationship with pain you know it's kind of like the i think the running in the present similar vein of that you know when we're runners i, I mean i think we're a different breed of people we'll start out there right you know I think we're striving after we have these big goals and we all know running an ultra, and it doesn't even have to be an ultra. It's, it's perspective, right? So it can be in a 5k. We're just starting running. You know, I think part of us enjoys the pain to a certain extent. I mean, we keep going out there to do it. Right. So I always say, you know, it's good to do hard things. That's one of my mantras. And, um, I know Jana's, Jana's is, uh, it's all good training, which I think plays into this as well, right? <laughs> it's all good training. Out of visceral reaction to that. You just like totally eye rolled. <laughs> because she pulled that one out. <laughs> she pulls it out everywhere. Everywhere, every time. But that's it. That's it. Yeah. Everything that we are doing whether it's a book I'm reading or a film I'm watching, it's good training for what? We always joked, it's for the apocalypse. Like, and the apocalypse <laughs> is upon us. So uh, she pulled that one out. We were in Millinocket, Maine. Which is oh, okay. So real quick, this is Heather corrected herself and said she meant to say Maine Marathon. So is this where you're going with it? Is this yeah. the story? Okay. Yeah, I don't know the story, but the, it's one of the stories of, so there was a small town, Millinocket, an hour north of Bangor several years ago that had a paper mill, it shut down, it crippled the economy in the town. So somebody decided to put together a marathon that was free because it was in the month of December in Bangor. 
<laughs> so, but this is it. Like, what's your relationship with pain? Let me dangle this carrot in front of these crazy runners. It's Millinocket, Maine in the middle of December. Come run a marathon for free. You just right. feel like, you know, support the local economy. So you see how many people showed up and how much press and media was there. We raised money, I think, for the local library. And uh, yeah, it was negative six degrees at the starting line. <laughs> and so I thought why for that was to come see the course, support the people. And so about mile 19, I think, into the race, I'm starting to hit the wall. Plus it was on the road, like. Ugh. <laughs> this race had nothing going for it. <laughs> I made the mistake of getting overheated. I didn't have glasses on. I was just making some like stupid rookie mistakes. And so Jana said, it's good training. And I, I turned a little Staten Island on her in the moment. I was like, oh my God, you go ahead. Like I am, I'm, I'm done. I finished. I took a DNF and I left. <laughs> so you said you, that you mentioned the mantra and that's why I rolled my eyes. I was like, oh, yes. going back to negative six degrees. And then <laughs> flashbacks, yeah. flashbacks. Yeah. No, I mean, all that, I, I think for me, it's like, I, I, as, as I get older, I see the value in doing hard things. And like I said before, when you go through difficult situations in life and you are able to walk through it, um, I can just attribute so much of that to trail and ultra running. So I think that just kind of, it spurs me on, it keeps me motivated, um, seeing the rewards of the effort. Also, it's, it's fun. I don't know, sometimes it's fun to be miserable. I mean, not in the moment, but to be able to like retell a story like that is, uh, there's some fun to it. I know, and I was actually, Jay and I had a long conversation about this topic the other night because my my question is then like, what, what about comfort though? You know, why can't we be comfortable being comfortable? Mm. Why can't uh, we, Patty Murphy? I the answers, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just wondering, like, yeah, is it okay to always? strive towards the uncomfortable to thrive in the uncomfortable to be part of stress and chaos if you carry it well and how mm -hmm. well is that I don't I don't know I think it's important I remember hearing I don't know if I read it in an ultra book or it was on a podcast um but the basic gist of it was like we live in a world today where comfort is 24 7 at our fingertips here in America and because of that like we can just sometimes float through, you know, with comfort. Um, and so this person was saying, that's why it's so important to do hard things and to be uncomfortable um, just to avoid, I think the complacency mm -hmm. that, you know, can sometimes creep in, mm -hmm. but also like, I see the value in comfort too. I think there's seasons of comfort, you know, if, if you've gone through a really tough season, um, yeah, I certainly have in my life gone through, you know, peaks and valleys when you've gone through the valley for a long time. I think it is important, you know, mm -hmm. to have a season of comfort and, you know, maybe not sign up for the main marathon. That's <laughs> negative six degrees. <laughs> I will say that the, the biggest thing that I did in my athletic life in 2020 was for our mutual friend, Jay. Yes. He, the Yeti 100 and I helped pace him 
the last 18 miles of the race along with our teammate Kim and we had a very good strategy she paced him from the front pulling him out and I was you know right behind him on his heels and to be able to just go out and do that and do it for somebody else who you know I wanted to support was so rewarding um mm -hmm. and I guess all this to say like that was one of the highlights of my year, you know, being out there for 18 miles in the middle of the night, which is not my favorite thing to do <laughs> and have, you know, have to push myself for 18 miles, but then also like be there for my friend. Like, that was a great experience. That was fun. What made it so great? Why was it so rewarding? Um, to help Jay achieve his goal. I, uh, several times while we were pacing him, he, started to break down and Kim and I could not even make eye contact with each other because then we would break down. But when we, I mentioned this to you earlier, when we started out, um, he was in pretty good spirits and we decided to play some videos for him that we had pre-recorded to keep him motivated and keep him going. You were one of them. Uh, so we were playing videos and in between that, each mile Jay was dedicating to somebody else mm. and he stopped doing that at some point <laughs> when they started to get a little, he started to get a little delirious. But um, when we were out at like, I want to say mile 95, maybe it was 93. I don't know. They blur together at that point. Kim. Right. <laughs> we were uh, coming over a bridge and we all had our headlamps on and Jay said stop turn your lights off and just turn them off and let's stand here and it was so quiet you just heard like the water lapping underneath the bridge it was just a typical j thing to do to like just stand there let's be in the moment let's enjoy this journey let's have gratitude for being out here for having the freedom for having the health to do this um you know, and, and that kind of was like a culmination of what that whole weekend was, you know, for me, um, just being with people that I love and doing something that we bond over. It's, it was a great, great experience. I love that. When is, um, when's your hundred miler? Yeah. Okay, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It's all good training. <laughs> says Jana. <laughs> right, right. Oh my God. So many good things were said during those times. We had like our own vocabulary, I feel like. Totally. <laughs> Being a thing. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I just dropped into the chat for folks to drop their questions if they have any. There were, I think there was one or two. Um, I think there was one from Jana. Janice says, talk about getting to meet and interview Lawrence Gonzalez. <laughs> well, what I have to mention is that I read the book for the Mental Performance Initiative, and I told Jana, you need to read this book. And then it changed her life. <laughs> yes. I received my copy back. Um, it was that's the thing, like, I have been so validated, I would say over the past two years, especially, 
not just with the Leadership Under Fire podcast, but other projects that I've worked on and other things I've found in my life, like the things that, or the people that were so important to me personally have now become part of my professional world. And that is so amazing. I, I wish everybody could experience living in such alignment the way that I feel like I am now. That is awesome. Do you have, um, I have a question. If you could interview anyone on your episode, who would you choose on your podcast? I know the real answer. I'm trying to think of another one quickly. <laughs> uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, I, there was a woman. Well, Esther Perel is a woman that I find very intriguing. You can Google her later. Um, who would I want on the podcast? You know, we actually have a lineup of people like to see us through the next several months and I'm very excited for them and I don't want to give away too many spoiler alerts. So, uh, keep it under wraps. All right. We won't push you anymore for that. Actually, I have one lined up tomorrow that I'm so excited for. It's actually Aaron Kafaro's teammate. Oh man, that's going to be good. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bookmark that one. Uh, we've got a question from Mark Constant. Wants to know, what is your best pre-ultra meal? The one that he cooked. <laughs> I'm sure that's why you asked that. And what was that meal? <laughs> Chicken? <laughs> I don't know. Chicken? <laughs> Mark, is that right? We'll see. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jay put a comment and said, Patty has golden ultra in September. What is that? Oh, so Patty and Jay have golden ultra in September. Um, it's a three day stage race in British Columbia. The race is broken up into the blood, the sweat and the tears. So perfect. basically a 5k with, I don't even know how much elevation gain. It's stupid. It's a rock scramble up the side of a mountain. It's called the blood. <laughs> Perfect. is the sweat and I forget how many miles it is honestly you know what here's the thing and I don't know if Jenna or anybody's going to chime in about this but like I'm at a point where just tell me when and where and I'll do it you know <laughs> so I know I have like a little bit more training to get into in the next several months for this race because it is the 5k up the side of the mountain then like I think a 40 miler and then maybe like a 10 miler is the last day but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much game for whatever you want to do aside from a hundred miles. <laughs> right. Just not yet. Right. <laughs> there you have it. All right. I'm going to hit you with one more. Oh, nope. We got one more question in the chat. Kimberly this is your friend, Kim Winston hardest race with your Ragnar team and why favorite race with the team and who is your favorite team member? <laughs> Without question, Kim is my favorite team member because she's the only other girl on the team. So <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I think I told her once I'm naming my firstborn after you. Um, my favorite Ragnar, is that was one of the questions? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, we really the the first one we ever did just laid the foundation for the rest of our, you know, our lives to, to this point. Um, but I also really enjoyed Ragnar Niagara. And it's because the most challenging race that we've ever done as a team is 
Well, <laughs> we refer to it as the race that shall not be named. Uh, everyone's got one of those, right? <laughs> this one in particular, our teammate ended up in the hospital and our van broke down. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. We didn't finish. Blackouts were involved. It was dark, <laughs> dark, dark. And <laughs> the next time we were all together for a race was uh, Ragnar Niagara. And that was our, like, you know, we came back after that. So that was a good one. Okay. There you have it, Kim. And you are the favorite. She said it on record. <laughs> All right, here's our last question for tonight. This is from me. How would you, well, you know, it's a little deep. How has running changed your life? This is one of my favorite questions I like to ask each of the guests. How do you think it's changed your life? Patty Murphy, what do you have for us? That's a good question. Um, I think based on everything I shared, running has like illuminated my life. I'm almost trying to tie it into like the optimizing human performance because it really has optimized my experiences. Um, I think that's a way I can succinctly put it. Okay, that's good stuff, Patty Murphy. <laughs> I love it. Well, we went way over, which is fine. I knew that we would. I told you that we would when we talked on the phone the other day. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for sharing. This was so much fun. Um, I think we covered just about everything and, uh, we gave some nice shout outs to your, your tribe, which is always important. So thank you again. Thank you for coming on and chatting with us. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Awesome. Okay. So if people want to learn more about, uh, leadership under fire, where can they find out more information? They can go to our website, leadershipunderfire.com, and I ask them to also go to the podcast, however you stream podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, but please subscribe, and wherever you're subscribing, uh, leave us a comment, rate it, and share it. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will upload the podcast to our channel in the next week. And I will tell you, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, you've just been tuning in here, give them a listen because we include some sponsored ads in them. They are fake ads, I will tell you that. But we're having so much fun making up these, these ads. So <laughs> we've had in the past the Unicorn Hotline. That's what I referenced in the past. You can call the Unicorn Hotline. Last, last episode was sponsored by Potatoes just potatoes. <laughs> uh, we've had some new goo flavors. So anyway, we're having a lot of fun with that. If you have ideas for fake ads, hit me with them. We're, we'd like to be creative with it. So anyway, you can find out more about Sasquatch Trail Running on our website, sasquatchtrailrunning.com. We are very active on social media. We are on Facebook at Sasquatch Trail Running and then on Instagram at Sasquatch Trail Runners. So until we see you again, keep it squatchy.